Hey, this is John Farnsworth. And one of the things that I remember most from uh, my time at Arlington High was the survival gym class, which I think his name was uh, Coach Harrington, uh, which I don't know if everybody got to do, but it was an amazing class, rope climbing, rock walls, survival skills out in the woods. It was awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Ponder This podcast. I'm delighted this afternoon to be chatting with a friend that uh, shared the stage with me for several years in high school doing some Gilbert and Sullivan plays. Um, If you follow this guy as a friend on Facebook, you'll recognize or not recognize him from his high school days because he looks like the mountain from uh, Game of Thrones. This guy's massive. And (laughs) even though he's huge, I still think his wife can take him. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together. You might call him John Farnsworth. I call him Farnsworth. I call him Fonzie. John, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining me. Good, thanks. Got to get that Boston accent in there, right? Yeah, buddy. I know you're down in Connecticut, <laughs> right? Is that is that where you, uh, this partner, this podcast finds you right now? Are you down in Connecticut? Yes, the good old nutmeg state. Yeah, the nutmeg state. Uh, learn something new every day. No, what uh, and <laughs> where in Connecticut? Sort of in the middle. A little town um, of all of like 6,000 people. So nothing much here besides uh, horses and cows and Lots of wood. It sounds like where I'm living in Dighton, Massachusetts, population 7,500. There you go. With uh, the Bristol Aggie High School, a mile from my house, where you can milk a cow as part of your education. It always cracks me up. You know, I've lived in Massachusetts, you know, for a long time, and I've never actually heard of Dighton. <laughs> yeah, listen, if it wasn't for my ex-wife, I would have never heard of the place either, but... Uh, I'm I'm kind of entrenched there a little bit. I've been there about 10 years. I'm there for a little while longer until somebody kind of kicks me out of town or something. I don't, I don't know if everybody loves me as much as I love myself, but um, uh, I'm a happy member of society and I pay my taxes. I mean, so it's all good. You got that going for you. Yeah, I got that going for me. So seriously, you're looking well and uh, I'm happy to see that. And, and I have in my, um, observation, notice you throwing axes and, and wearing high uh, compression socks and climbing mountains. And uh, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I believe, like my wife, that your wife is involved in maybe some CrossFit gymery or something to that effect. So, John, tell me why you look so good. <laughs> well, I see you like me, you know, we, we, uh, yeah. we got a little uh, age showing there, uh, Greg. Um, who knows why we look so good? I don't know. I think, uh, you know, men, we just get better with age, right? I agree. We're like a fine wine. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. My wife, uh, we actually both uh, did CrossFit. Uh, we like to be active. Uh, she's been uh, a good influence that way. Definitely got me out doing things that I never would have thought I would have done. It's kind of fun though, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, um, like you said, you're not just, you know, bench pressing 
225, you're like doing doing a rope climb and then and burning your inner thighs on the way down, right? Oh, it's a killer. It's un- it's unbelievable. Yeah, how much a you know five minute workout can knock you on your butt. It it is good. Those uh you know short interval, um, you know spurts like you said of of whatever the exercise might be, but uh, they they kill you and then you want to rebound and just do more. It's 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 a little bit of a mindset that forces you to just want to be, you know, be ultra competitive. So tell me a little bit, what are you doing down in, uh, in Connecticut? If I'm not mistaken, you're a lawyer, right? <laughs> I am. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been here. Let's see. After law school, I came down to uh, Connecticut for a clerkship. Um, so I was, uh, worked at the Connecticut appellate court, uh, for two years, uh, 97 to 99. And then, uh, just been in, in private practice here ever since. Great. Um, where did you go to law school, John? Uh, good old Suffolk in Boston. Yeah, right up on right up uh, on uh, the hill, right up by yeah. Which uh, City Hall, my yeah. class was actually the the last class in the old building. Uh, you've probably seen the, the gorgeous new building that they built, uh, which opened right after I graduated. So, did you frequent? Nice. Did you frequent like the Red Hat and some of the uh, the the fun? Uh, yeah, the fun bars right around oh, there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Red Hat definitely. Um, it was that was one of the great things about about going to school there, being so close to uh, you know Faneuil Hall or the North End, yep. that type of thing. You had a break between classes, you just shoot over there, grab some food, walk around. Some good stories that come out of some of those bars and and even Suffolk too. I'm sure you've you've heard a few, uh, you know, his, historical yarns, if you will. Oh, absolutely. About politics yeah, on the hill. It's uh, well, like they say, you know law and sausage you don't want to see how it's made so uh, same thing is true i love it law and sausage but it tastes pretty good don't, don't it <laughs> that's like that's my line from the natural where they're eating uh, pasta and uh red says to roy hobbs he goes you can't spell it but it eats pretty good don't it <laughs> um what type of law are you practicing john um, so I do um, commercial litigation, but uh, the majority of what I do is trust and state litigation. Okay. Um, so the I, I'm in a um, an international law firm. It's a private client firm. So um, essentially, we're dealing with high net worth and ultra high net in, high net worth individuals, um, their businesses, uh, their family interests, their philanthropic interests, and so you know out of that, there's a lot of uh, Anytime you have like a trust relationship, there's a fiduciary, what's called a fiduciary relationship sure. there. And so it often can spin out litigation, whether it's a trust dispute or there's, you know, someone dies and there's a fight between beneficiaries of who's supposed to inherit that type of thing. So that's sort of where I spend my time. That's crazy. I'm, I'm sure, man, you've probably seen some good cat fights. It, it is really unbelievable. Yeah. The, I, some of the stories, which I can't talk about. I know. You know what's, honestly, John, you know what says? I would love to pull this stuff out of you, but I know you can't. I know, like you said, you have a fiduciary responsibility. I get it. But like when it comes to families and money, safe to say, like people get a little crazy. Oh, so some of it's like being on a Jerry Springer show sometimes. It, 
Yeah, and then you're talking about high net worth. I mean, we're talking about you running like Martha Stewart's estate. <laughs> I know she lives in Connecticut. David Letterman, some of those guys down there, you're probably, you know, rolling in some clients that, uh, oh, man, I just, it's got to be fascinating. Even watching a show like uh, Succession on HBO or something with like a big family media conglomerate business, you know what I mean? Just. It, it, it's a whole different world. I mean, it, it, people will spend, you know, millions of dollars on a barn. It, yeah. It, it's just a different I, world that, I, I, uh, you know, I, not many people I know uh, live in. Right. And then they'll fight over that barn. You know what I mean? Like somebody, somebody in a family will absolutely hate the barn. They'll be like, the barn was the bane of my existence. Like I hate it, but like, oh yeah, I'll take it. When, when mom dies, I'll take it though. I, I'd love to have that barn. I mean, one of the interesting parts is, is um, you know, a, as your net worth increases, borders disappear. Um, you and I probably are, are mostly based in New England yep. uh, all the time. Um, but if you have a, a house in the UK and another one in the Caymans and a house in New York and another one in California, and you might have something over in Asia, um, and you have different business interests all over the world, you know, borders mean less and less. That's pretty, yeah, it is. I'm saying it's so fascinating. Uh, really. I, so what got you into that line of, of law? I'm, you know, was it something you knew you wanted to do early on with, were, were there different, uh, angles of law that you thought you might dip your toe into, or has it always been, all right, I'm going to sort of stay in my lane here. I knew I always wanted to do litigation. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I like, I like solving problems. I like trying to help people. And, and so it's uh, you know, just sort of a good match to sort of get in there and, and fight the people uh, where you can. Um, I started out actually in a, a very small um, Connecticut firm down in Stanford. Uh, there were only about 20 attorneys. Um, and I did just you know, more the, the regular commercial litigation, business disputes, um, kind of everything other than divorces and car accident type of cases uh, we would do. Um, but in um, 2005, uh, my wife and I uh, got married and we had made the decision that we didn't want to live in that part of the state. Uh, and so we were looking to relocate out more east. And so I uh, you know, had a headhunter looking and um, came back with this, uh, this firm that I'm out now. And who, who are they? I've never heard of this firm. Yeah. It's been there for 50 years you know, in Connecticut. Uh, but I'd never heard of it uh, because it's kind of so specialized. It's not something that a lot of people locally are aware of. And so just sort of a fluke, you know, I'd interviewed with them and hit it off well with the people I interviewed with. And it's just been a good fit. Do you find that that's a benefit that, that people don't know so much about the firm? You know what I mean? Does that help you in just your day-to-day life be, be like a normal guy? You know what I mean? That people don't recognize the, the magnitude and the scope of the litigation that you're, you know, you're working on. Yeah, there are, there are pluses and minuses. Uh, you know, the, the type of things, well, we certainly have clients locally. Um, a lot of what we do has more of a multi-jurisdictional aspect. Sure. Um, you know, maybe we're dealing with a, a fight over a BVI company that has a Connecticut tie. So we're litigating that part of it here. Uh, the sort of the downside is we're less connected to the local area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, you know, if it was just a local shop like where I started with, you know, you represent lots of local businesses and you know lots of local people because you're dealing with them. So that's, that's 
sort of the downside, a little bit that I missed, but the, the work otherwise is just unusual and interesting. One of the, the first two things I did when I started with this firm, uh, one, I had to deal with getting a, a passport for a horse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so it could come back from France to what? the United States. Can I, uh, I, I then, wait? I, all right, go ahead. Tell me the second, and then I, I have a follow-up question on that one. And then I was involved with the sale of a few hundred acres in uh, the Bahamas. You know, so it's just so bizarre to me when I first joined. It's so, so out of the norm of what I had been dealing with. All right, so why? I just, I mean, honestly, people are going to wonder why. Why does a a horse? need a passport so there was a horse in france was it a french horse no no it was was just a a, competition uh, horse was it like an american bred horse like it was i mean no it's just someone that had uh sort of that borderless thing again you know yeah yeah it's just united states based but the horse had they were over there for a period and the horse went over and uh and they needed a passport yeah yeah, horses need passports yeah I don't think, I mean, I, I can't Hard to be, get him I, to smile. That's the difficult part. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't be alone in not knowing that a horse needed a passport. Like, I, please, people, help me out. Like, let me know that I'm not crazy. I'm still fascinated by this. Like, I, I won't, you know, belabor the point too long. But I... So what did you do? How did how did you handle a case? Like, what, what, like what are the... What do, you, what do you do to get this passport? I love the line, by the way, about the horse and the smiling. I I caught that. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it actually we we ended up having to. There, there were other problems that came up because uh, the the people that were taking care of the horse ended up bringing it to a part of the the country where if a horse goes to that part of the country, it can never come back uh, because there are certain diseases in that area that yeah. they don't want in the United States. So it it turned into another litigation matter. Jeez, that's fascinating. I mean, I tried to bring some uh, wood home from Canada once, and I got held up, held, <laughs> held up at the border. They were like, "Yeah, you can't take that wood." And I'm like, "All right, I'll dump it in the in the forest." I mean, it wasn't even on purpose, John. I just like to have campfires, and I just when I packed up all my stuff, happened to have some wood from my trip to Canada, and they wouldn't let me just take like, it. Hey, why not? Yeah, you know, bugs, right? I, so the bugs know borders, honestly. Like if you're in Canada and there's Vermont, right? Uh, you're a mosquito when you fly into the U.S. I mean, no one's stopping you, right? Is there an invisible force field up there that I'm unaware of? Well, now when, I mean, I, I know exactly why they didn't want you to bring it in, but, uh, you know, the ash borer uh, beetle or whatever it is that yep. uh, affects the ash trees, uh, no, they're not going to come down from Canada, but it's, if they're not in this area and you bring it down, that's a big problem. Right. Can't make any uh, baseball bats if you don't have any ash wood, John. Come on. <laughs> um, what do you like to do for fun? I mean, I, I do know that you like to stay. I, you're a beer drinker. Is that correct? Are you a little bit of a beer connoisseur? Like you like to try some different uh, beverages? A little bit. And enjoy the IPAs. Yep. Uh, definitely like a little bourbon. Beautiful. Had any uh, had any good ones lately, or any recommendation? Is it uh, are there a lot of breweries popping up down there, like there are in Massachusetts? It's it's crazy, yeah. I mean, you can't swing a stick without hitting a new brewery down here. Um, I did actually try a, a new bourbon fairly recently, uh, Cleveland Underground. Cleveland? It's, uh, apparently, it's a controversial one because a lot of their 
um, bourbons are uh, flavored isn't the right word, but um, you know they'll they'll take like oak staves and put them in a bourbon barrel and soak it there, so the bourbon uh, picks up the flavor of the oak. Yep. Or black cherry cherry wouldn't do the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, so it's got sort of a subtle additional taste to it, but uh, it's good. I highly recommend. Yeah, it. I was gonna say. So we give it uh, we give it two shot glasses up, or what? What are we? Yeah, I would give it two. All right. Uh, and which, is there a certain flavor that you prefer? Like, uh, you're telling me that they're, they're, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like, I don't want to say I've, keyboard, actually, but I've only had the, uh, the maple. Okay. One, um, which was good. If you like the, the knob Creek, uh, yeah. one, I like it better than that. Cause that's kind of a little too sweet for me, but this is a little subtler maple taste. It's good. All right, cool. Um, and then honestly, like, so besides your, uh, affinity for a nice bourbon, which I commend you on, that's fantastic. You, you, um, you know, our tastes develop over time, right? Like with the nice salt and pepper beards that we're sporting, it's nice to, you know, graduate from cheap vodka to a nice bourbon, right? Yep. Move on from the natty light. That's it. You have engaged in a cigar while you're having a bourbon. No. um, Yeah, I I had a really bad asthma when I was a kid. Uh, And it's virtually gone at this point. But so I I never, you know, smoked growing up and and, and still don't at all because that's kind of a trigger. Geez, unlike a lot of our classmates, John, who smoked more stuff than you. <laughs> you'll be hearing all about it in future episodes of the Pond of This podcast. Bunch of narcs that we went to high school with, buddy. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Um, who have you kept in touch with? Other than sort of uh, a little bit of face cap, Facebook contact, yeah. um, really no one from high school. Uh, I kind of uh, lost touch with everybody after after high school, so yep. it wasn't until social media started coming back that I, you know, reconnected with some. Uh, anybody that you know of that lives down your way? Anybody in the Connecticut area that you've come across that you're like, hey, I didn't know you lived down here? Or not from high school? No, um, I'm trying to think offhand too. I you know I can't uh, I can't place anybody right now. I went to Hofstra down in Long Island, so I, I drove through Connecticut quite a bit, you know what I mean, for those four or five years. And um, my brother Joe went to Wesleyan, so, and then the okay. my, my buddy. I live right near there. You do? Okay. So not too far from Middletown. Yep. Um, and my buddy that's uh, helping me with the podcast is a Glastonbury guy. So he grew up there and uh, worked for ESPN for a while in Bristol. So, you know, first, okay. For a small little town. Plus, you ever been to a yard goats game? We have, yes. All right. Well, next time you go to a yard goats game, you tell the general manager, Tim Restall, that I told him he should upgrade your seats. Oh, there you go. All that right. works. Yeah, I got some. Which, ca- that, that whole team is one of the, that's just a funny story with the name. Yeah, so how'd it come about? Well, how, well, how'd they end up with the yard goats? Because I'll tell you a so story they, about the New Hampshire team in a minute. So they, uh, this, this team was going to come to Connecticut. And so um, someone had the bright idea to put it out to a, a fan contest, a local contest. And so um, they, sub- 
they solicited uh, suggestions for the new name for this team, and then they put the top few up to a vote. And uh, I think just like, you know, a bunch of jokesters got on there and just came up with the worst names possible. And so that's how the Yard Goats got their name. That's funny, because it is kind of a random name. I mean, it's 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 not bad. I mean, there's a lot of different minor league baseball teams, you know, there's 176 of them. And, and my, like, I love the logos, John, and the, uh, the mascots for these teams, like uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, it's the, the, the biscuits. And it's, it's literally a, a Southern biscuit with a pad of butter on it. Like it with a smile, like with, with like googly eyes. I'm like, what a great mascot. Like, but That's great. I, I worked for, uh, for four or five years up in Manchester, New Hampshire for the Fisher cats. They're a double a affiliate of the Toronto blue Jays. And when they first came into being, um, they wanted to be, they wanted to be named the New Hampshire primaries and the logo was oh, going to, I know, but. New Hampshire being the political state that it is and the union leader and, you know, first in the country and da, 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 they were like, yeah, we don't, it's, it's actually, it was crazy. They were like, no, you know, you can't, you, you, we're not going to basically allow you to steal our identity and what we're known for us for your minor league baseball team. So they ended up becoming the Fisher cats, but uh, for a while it looked like they were going to be the primaries. And uh, that was a, it was a crazy to do had, people all up in arms, you know what I mean? Over a name. So, uh, what about anything else going on? Like what's, what's important to John and family at this stage in your life? I, I like to ask cause I, I want people to be able to relate to one another. You know what I mean? About causes or charities. I should be in five minutes be donating blood. Cause I try to do that every 60 days. I'm O positive, and uh, I had a 245 for today, but I had to reschedule because I had to talk to my boy Fonzie. So is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head that's that's uh, important to you and your family? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you, you had talked about sort of what you had seen sort of on Instagram and that sort of thing, and, and so, you know, we like to stay active, like to to do things. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, you know, more than just going to a CrossFit gym, that sort of thing. Uh, my wife, uh, her family's from, uh, part of her family's from New Hampshire. And so she grew up doing a lot of hiking out in the White Mountains and, and got me into that. And so, uh, you know, we do a lot in the, the outdoors, sort of enjoying um, the outdoors. Uh, last year we did, um, we, we've, we've done a lot of sort of single day hikes, like a 4,000 footer, that sort of thing. But last yeah. year we did the, the presidential traverse, uh, which is you do all of the, the presidential range in, in one hike. Um, this past year we did um, the, the Pemi Loop. Um, so up in the White Mountains, the Pemigewasset Wilderness, uh, which is a, a more restricted part of the White Mountain National Forest. You have forest land and then designated wilderness land within that. And in the wilderness land, there's no roads, there's no... Uh, impact by people at all. It's really super protected lands. And so um, this, the loop is uh, like 34 miles around it. Um, I think there's, you hit 11, 4,000 footers on the way. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we like to do stuff like that enjoy the outdoors. Uh, I do a lot of hunting also. So, we, you know, we also get in out in public lands. And so sort of getting back to your, you know, your question, um, outdoors, uh, 
enjoying nature, protecting nature, respecting nature, right. preserving right. nature. Uh, you know, it's something that that I care a lot about just because we enjoy it, and it's it's uh, really perspective changing. Uh, I think you know to to get away from city life and sort of human impact and everything, and get out in the middle of nowhere and look at something that's been that way for thousands of years. Right. Uh, it uh, really just changes your impact, your your perspective when you come back to re- real life. I, I agree. I was, you know, I didn't know how far you were going to take it, but I was going to say, you know, safe to say that forestry life and preserve is important to you. But I, I kind of knew it was. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you feel that way. Truthfully, it's, uh, it seemed for a while that we were trying to knock down every tree we could to build a stupid like strip mall. And now malls are like a thing of the pet. You know what I mean? It's, it's plant, yeah, more, pl- plant more trees. I mean, you see what's going on in, in Australia and in California and just um, it's heartbreaking when you see these like forest fires and just uh, a whole ecosystem being disrupted and, and changed forever, probably because of what's going on. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's actually part of, I mean, it's, it's sort of part of the cycle of things. I mean, it's huge forest fires aren't anything new. Right. Uh, I actually read a book recently called The Big Burn, uh, which was uh, takes place um, during Teddy Roosevelt's presidency and sort of it um, involves the creation of the Park Service. But it, it focuses on a, a, a tremendous wildfire that occurred out west, uh, much like what we're experiencing today, um, so much so that um, ash fell on the East coast, uh, from the fire. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's things grow back in its place and right. it shifts and continues on. Do you know if that fire happened because of a gender reveal gone bad or if, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pro- probably not right back in Teddy's day. I mean, I was just curious if it was, you know, somebody yeah. shooting bottle rockets at each other, like, there's probably somebody shooting something. Yeah. Something. Some. So speaking of shooting, like I said, no gun, but you did say you do some hunting, but I have seen you throw an ax. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a, one of those ax throwing places that opened up down here. It's a lot of fun. I believe it. I've actually wanted to try it. Um, I've only done it over at my buddy's house, but I, I couldn't get the ax to stick into the tree, but uh, how'd you do? Um, I did good. You know, I think I could go pro. I like it. Kind of like uh, curling 2.0. It's like the summer game where you can throw axes as opposed to. I I want to try curling. I'm I'm not even joking. Like my wife is uh, from Canada. Her mom's from Canada, and uh, I want to get on the ice and sweep a broom, buddy, and try to land that. Uh, now I forget the name of it. What's it called? It's got a name. The, not the shuttle. The, the stone. Yeah. The- what's yeah? Does the stone have another name? I don't know. I don't know either. I should know, but I don't know. Um, well, good. I'm glad. Honestly, I'm glad everything's well. I know you have. Uh, you're a busy man. You got to get back. You have to do some work for a mediation tomorrow. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I do. Just just uh, getting prepped for it. Yeah, uh, a big big case that you can't talk about, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> not not the biggest, but they're you know they're all important. Yeah, I like it. I like that you're doing. Uh, you're doing the community a service, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, listen, I want to uh, thank you for taking the time. Best to you and your family. 
I'm glad that you've been tuning in. I we still so can you help me find uh can you can you put like a law clerk or somebody on helping me find Sean Fahey? I'll see what I can do. You know, actually, we have some uh, people search uh, databases that we use. So I, I'll, uh, I've tried. I'll see if I can track them down. I've tried a little bit, but he is somebody. No, all kidding aside, I would like to say hello to. You know what I mean? Like uh, again, the three of us sort of had our own little uh, our own little posse at, from time to time. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it, it'd, it'd be great to hear what he's been up to. If I think, like I said, I think he went to Duke. And I think you're right. He's in the Carolinas, and I have no idea. Yeah, no, it's been good. It, it, these podcasts have been great. I've been, uh, you know, catching up with all of them. Well, good. Uh, is there? Is, so it's funny. Uh, you know, I listened to Jamie McCabe's one, and uh, you know, he's another Stratton person. Uh, but every time I see him now, uh, his dad was the principal of of Stratton. Oh, I didn't know that. Period. Yeah, and and he is the spinning image of his his dad. It's it, uh, it just cracks me up. That's very funny. He actually, um, more so than maybe anyone else, doesn't look like he did when he was 18. You know what I mean? He has like this little, like the pictures from him in high school, a little baby face, whatever. Now he's like, now he's like us, mountain men. You know what I mean? He's all, <laughs> he's all, uh, he's all hairy and disheveled, which I love. He's quite the photographer. He's uh, amazing pheno- work. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And uh, great stories. I love that he's got the gumption to just carry that as he calls it, bear pack around with them. And, um, the quality is exceptional. It's awesome. You know, like I said, there's one of the fun things for me, John, with doing this has been to, to find out what people are passionate about. You know, everyone's got a job. Everyone's had some, some ups and downs, lost a parent. I get it. We've all got some scars, right? But, um, what I enjoy are the people that are out there doing what they love to do. You know what I mean? I love hearing like, Hey, I I'm passionate about this and, and, uh, I don't care what fill in the blank this is. It's uh, it's great to hear. So, um, keep up the good work. And if you have a hike up this way, love to share bourbon with you. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. Listen, thank you for the time. All the best to you and your family. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All, all right. Take care. John Fondsworth, everybody. And now here's some Ponder This Thoughts with your class president. Hey, so a couple observations I've made. I apparently have been referring to Mr. Roberts as uh, Fred Roberts. And my apologies, the late drama teacher at Arlington High was Frank Roberts. So apologies for that. Um, not quite sure why that happened. And pretty soon when you hear Noreen Hogan's episode, uh, at one point in the middle of it, I call her Karen. It's probably because she's like one of these whiny women that goes into stores and is like, Hey, don't you know that you need to wear a mask and stand six feet away from me? No. It's probably because she's such good friends with uh, Karen Norton um, that I called her Karen by mistake. And I pulled it back in later on, and I call her Noreen. So apologies to Noreen, uh, forthcoming. Speaking of Karen, um, I've noticed that when I post something, whether it's an upcoming episode or a photo 
on the Ponder This Podcast Instagram page that Karen Norton happens to be like the first person to like the post. So, Karen, I want to thank you for your attention to uh, all things Ponder This. It's fabulous. Uh, not only are you quick to the trigger, Eric Prenegast is quick to the trigger, and he's out in uh, he's out in Arizona. And then uh, from a from a listening standpoint, Dan Granin, the golfer. I mean, leave it to the golf pro to get up early. Get out there and start whacking a few balls. Leave it to Dan. I mean, it you know, if an episode is released at eight at eight forty five, I'm getting a hey Tim, that was great. Really fun catching up on, you know, the events of so and so and so and so. So I gotta say, Dan, shout out to you too, pal. In all honesty, I thank everybody. Um and and there's a million of you, I think, because I think we hit a million listeners last week. <laughs> Come on, I'm just kidding. A million. Um, there are many of you that are listening, I'm assuming, and I, I haven't heard from you and that's okay, but, uh, I'd love to, even if it's just a quick, like, Hey, good job. Or, Hey, I'm listening. Uh, do you guys remember like Casey Kasem and the long distance dedication? This goes out to Beth Hughes who I had a crush on since, like, the seventh grade. Beth, Jane Healy, and pretty soon Katie Terry will be uh, sharing their life experience. Are you listening? That's my bad, Casey Kasem. But my uh, my editor, David Barnes, does a really good Casey Kasem, and hopefully he's going to share that with you at some point as we do a long-distance dedication. Uh Again, keep it up. There's a lot more to come. And uh, I love you guys.